Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy practitioner specializing in chronic digestive issues, depression, anxiety, and autoimmune disease with a focus on the gut microbiome. Join me for episode four, where we meet Neely Casey, nutritional therapy practitioner from Denver, Colorado, and learn about epigenetics, the emerging science of biological mechanisms that switch genes on and off. We'll learn how this impacts the nutritional therapy approach to treating chronic disease. Stay tuned until the end to hear Neely's tip for improving your health starting today. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. Functional medicine and functional nutrition are similar in that they seek the root causes of illness. As nutritional therapy practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now, let's hear more about epigenetics. Okay, Neely, great to have you back on the show. Um, We had an episode with you where we introduced you, talked about your background. In this episode, I wanted to talk to you about a really interesting topic, epigenetics and nutritional therapy, how that addresses epigenetics. And, um, you know, to get started, why don't you just help us understand what is epigenetics? Um, So I think that we've all been taught that our genes are set in stone, um, that our genetic destiny is this fixed thing that if our grandmother had cancer or our grandfather had a stroke, that we too um, would die of these things or that they were more likely um, for us to have happen in our lives. And I think that that has led to a lot of um, anxiety you know, in the course of people's lives because they think, oh, my mom died of this or, you know, my dad died at a young age. Gosh, is this going to happen to me? Um, When in actuality, we do have a genetic predisposition towards certain things, but the reality is that every person is different and that the field of epigenetics is emerging and there still is so much that we need to learn But what we do know is that our genes are not our destiny, Um, that we are able to turn our genes on and off, um, and this is done via nutritional factors, via um, stressors in our life, um, lifestyle factors such as, I'll just give an example, like how well are you sleeping, how much sleep are you getting, Um, you know, are you drinking? Um, clean water as opposed to toxic water um, that might have a bunch of chemicals or prescriptive, you know, medications in it because it hasn't been filtered appropriately um, and it's contaminated. Um, So there's a lot of different factors that can play into the process of turning genes on and off, which is epigenetics. Um, Our genetic expression, in a sense, is dynamic And like I had alluded to, there are many factors that have influence upon this. Now, we're not talking about, can I change my eye color or my height or anything like that? Those things are um, 
you know, set, and once, you know, they're set, they're set. We're talking about predispositions towards diseases. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you for those thoughts, because I do think that there are a lot of people out there that are living kind of under a cloud, right? You know, they, they um, have the BRAC2 gene, or they have, um, you know, some other genetic predisposition, as you said, that is, is very concerning. And you know, so often when we go to the doctor and we say, and we, you know, they find something and we say, wow, you know, wow, why did this happen to me? They say, well, you know, just bad luck with the genes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that is only, you know, what we, I think what we want you to hear um, is that from us is that this is only part of the story, right? And that, um, yes, there's the genetic information that you are born with, but it doesn't mean that all your genes are expressed. And, um, and that nutritional, the field of nutritional therapy recognizes that food is information. It's not just calories. It's not just nutrients. It's information. And it is part of the story behind, you know, which genes are expressed and which are not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that this information, um, can be helpful, um, for people to hear, and that—that's the the sentiment that I want to leave out there. Um, I think that sometimes people hear this information, and all of a sudden they think guilt. Oh my goodness! Like, uh, wait, what do you mean? I can do something about this? And now all of a sudden they're hearing this and thinking, oh wait a minute, I have to make changes, like you know. And so that that information could be challenging to hear that. There is a certain power in, in what we do in our everyday lives. The, like you said, food is information. So the, the nutritional choices that we make are having impact every single day. But what I want to throw out there is to flip that thinking around. If, if you're hearing this and, and thinking, uh, oh my gosh, you know, think now, um, remembering as, as we had discussed um, in our last episode about how the body wants to heal, how the body has this innate need and, and desire to heal itself, that by making these small changes and um, incorporating more nutritious choices into each bite, literally each bite, that you know we're heading down a path towards wellness as opposed to illness. Yeah. Very important thoughts. Um, um, so, you know, your understanding of epigenetics, can you, can you tell us, you know, how that helps you explain the root causes of disease? How does that help you as a nutritional therapy see disease differently? Right. Well, you know, and, and I do definitely want to acknowledge the fact that our genes do play a role in our predisposition, as we discussed, to any given disease. Um, but there are so many different variables that play a role in whether or not the person is actually going to get that disease, many of which we have control over, and many of which, of course, we don't. Um, my viewpoint on it with my own healing journey, as well as when I work uh, with my clients, is, well, 
if we do have control over some factors as to you know how I'm going to choose the next bite of food that I'm going to put in my mouth, why wouldn't I make that choice, right? I mean, because there are so many factors that um, you know I can't control. You know, just living day to day. Um, you know, sometimes you know you don't even know the um, exposures, toxic toxic exposures that you're coming into contact with every single day. Um, you know, we don't have control over everything. So I choose to empower my clients with knowledge of what choices they can make in their lives that can make a difference. Um, so that's, that's the way that I go about it um, in, my own, um, in my own practice and helping my clients to understand epigenetics and how those influences, you know, play a factor. I mean, if we... If we think about, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to list everything off, but I mean, just to name a few of, of the things, you know, like I, I had alluded to toxic exposures, stressors. I mean, when we're talking stressors, we're talking about um, even emotional stressors. You know, what, what kind of um, trauma has occurred in the person's life prior, right? We're talking about um, how are their relationships with their friends, with their family? Um, when we're talking about stressors, we're also talking about job stressors, right? I mean, there's there's a whole list of things that can be embodied just into that stressors um, label. Um, we're thinking about food intolerances, right? We're talking about you know food sensitivities. Um, those are also you know the body sees um, those as stressors. Nutritional deficiencies. If our body is not being fed and being able to utilize, um, to absorb and to utilize nutrients, that's a potential stressor on the body as well. So, you know, you, when you start to think of it again, you know, you can, you can go down that easy path of saying, well, forget it. There is just too much out there, you know, to even try. But again, you know, I think it's just changing that perception um, to hope and that the capability of the human body um, is just simply amazing. Um, so if we do what we can to reduce, you know, the toxins that we know that we're being exposed to, and if we seek better nutritional choices, um, then we can and we will see changes in our health for the better. And that would be how I would explain it to my clients as to, um, you know, from, from a, a standpoint of motivation to try and make changes. Yeah. So, you know, the, I think the hopeful message we want to leave here is that, you know, for the person who knows that they have a genetic predisposition, um, but they don't have a diagnosis yet, you know, nutritional therapy has something to offer you. For the person who has a diagnosis already and uh, is contemplating treatments, you know, nutritional therapy is something to consider. And even for the person who has um, is has been undergoing treatment, um, you know, I see nutritional therapy as being complementary to the treatment process, the traditional, you know, medicine treatment process. Um, how, do you, how do you see that, Neely? Yeah, absolutely. I think that nutritional therapy can be used in conjunction um, with conventional medicine. And um, I, I see clients that have successfully, um, so they have been the ones to initiate this. I, I just want to clarify, I'm not a licensed medical practitioner in any means, so I stick to, you know, my scope of, of nutritional therapy. But 
when they're working with their their medical doctor on you know their prescription you know the prescription side of things and the diagnosis side of things and the treatment sort of things um, what we're seeing is when they're also using nutritional therapy as a complement to conventional medicine that their doctors are saying, hey, you know, let's, uh, well, the client, excuse me, my client or, you know, the doctor's patient is the one um, who might find out that they're not needing as much of the prescription as they once were. Um, and so I think that, that that's, there's so much power in that. And I love working together with doctors, um, you know, hand in hand to, um, if, if the, the, if one of my clients, you know, wants to, um, work hand in hand like that, I just love doing that because I think it's great then, um, for the doctors just to see how much, you know, nutrition can have an impact. Yeah, and you know, I, I this reminds me of a paper that I read quite a while ago. It was about um, cancer patients that were on gluten-free diets. I don't know if you've um, read anything like this, Neely, but it, t- it talked about how um, patients that were undergoing treatment for cancer and were on gluten-free diets at the same time had better outcomes. And uh, this was in the traditional medical journals, and you know, it was. It was noted, but not explained. And to me, now that I've had this training, I think, well, you know, yes. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Because nutritional therapy goes into so much more than that. Mm, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think that, you know... um, conventional methods are still seeing, um, you know, genes as destiny, you know, and so it's hard, you know, it's like once we've been taught that and that's ingrained, you know, into what we believe, it's hard to see that there are other factors that could come into play. But, um, you know, like you said, alluding to research, you know, that's coming out, it's really good to see that this is um, being addressed and acknowledged. So I'll give a, for example, um, there's a study that's going on right now. It's called the Teddy study. And um, just a brief synopsis of it. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it is taking a look at what potential causes of type 1 diabetes um, in the young, in, you know, in children. So it's looking at children um, just born through, I believe, the age of 13. And what they did was um, at the time, you know, in the hospital, they had taken, um, you know, a blood sample of the babies and determined whether or not they had a genetic predisposition for type 1 diabetes. So if they did have um, this genetic predisposition, then these these babies were then, you know, offered to participate in this study. Um, and so they've been looking, you know, and this is an epide- epidemiological study um, that's been going on, and they're taking a look at lots of different things, like the stool microbiome, you know, they're taking blood samples of, of the kids to, you know, every um, three to six months to see if antibodies have started developing. Um, and what they're doing is they're interviewing parents on, guess what? the diets of the children they're taking right they're taking note of what these kids have been eating and they're asking parents if they've done anything specific um, you know to either you know try and prevent their their child from um, potentially getting type 1 diabetes well what they're also looking at you mentioned gluten is that they are also looking at um, whether or not these children who are in the study are developing um, the antibodies for celiac disease. 
Okay, so they're they're start they're you know starting to take a look at this, and um, it's really exciting to see research like this come out. Um, you know, so this study is still in progress. Um, so it, it will be really interesting to see um, what exactly. Um, they come up as a conclusion, but I, I love that they're taking a look at all of these outside factors, right? Because the reason for the study was, hey, some kids go on to develop type 1 diabetes and some kids don't, but they all have a certain, you know, genetic predisposition to go on to develop it. So why? Why are some of these kids developing it? And why are some of them not developing it? So very, very interesting. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating stuff. And it's always interesting to see how the traditional medical literature is sort of coming along in, in assessing some of these same factors that we consider every day in our practice. Um, I, I was reading another paper just recently about the use of green tea extract, which is a, a very strong anti-inflammatory um, substance, in the treatment of degenerative degenerative eye disease like macular degeneration and you know it's just fascinating because um it, it was found that it was effective in rats okay mm. but um it was found that it was e effective and and most people would think that degenerative eye disease is something that couldn't be affected with um with diet, but what we know is okay. Aside from the green tea extract, that mo you know that our work as nutritional therapists is very much around reducing systemic inflammation in the body. The same thing that green tea extract is doing. Um, it's kind of a shortcut in the in the lab rat. But when you when you work with a nutritional therapy practitioner, um, you know that is part of part and parcel of what we do: um, healing the gut. Um, uh, stopping, you know, the um, uh, the endotoxins from, you know, escaping the gut and other irritants from escaping the gut and causing systemic inflammation throughout the body. And this is often a, a cause of um, chronic illness. Mm. Uh, different, you know, it affects people differently, of course, because we're all individuals, bio-individuals. But, um, it, you know, it's such an important um it's it's an important interaction to understand, and I'm you know I'm starting to see these you know connections being made in the conventional medical literature that kind of correspond to the work that nutritional therapy endeavors to do. Yes, yes, it's catching up. It's catching up for sure. Now, if we could just close that gap of 17 years of you know the time it takes for research to come out and the time that it starts to become embraced, um, that would be fabulous, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be great. Um, so, you know, tell us, tell me a little bit about like the kind of clients that you see and sort of how, you know, how your, you know, your perspective of epigenetics kind of um, influences, you know, how you, how you work with them. Um, sure, exactly. So I, um, I do see a lot of clients who are just trying to figure out what's going on, um, you know, and, and like I said, um, I believe in a previous podcast was that they've already been, you know, perhaps seen by their medical practitioner and, you know, 
They've been pronounced as healthy, but they just feel that something is going on. So um, we do then a deeper dive. Um, and of course, I always start with my clients um, with addressing the foundations that I mentioned before, digestion, blood sugar regulation, fatty acid balance, mineral balance, and hydration. So we're working on those. Um, and while we're working on those, I also then, in tandem, utilize my skills as a restorative wellness practitioner. Um, and so I will have them run some lab work such as a GI map to take a look at their stool microbiome. Um, we'll also run uh, food sensitivities and by um, beginning the process with those two lab tests, we can take a look to see what kind of stressors are being imposed upon the body. Um, so primarily I'm looking to um, empower the client to be able to remove those stressors. Um, so we uh, take out, you know, food um, sensitivities. We make sure that they're, you know, removing those foods for a certain amount of time, depending on how, you know, strong um, the response, the immune response is to the food. Um, that depends on how long that food is removed um, from the diet. Um, we're also working to mitigate, you know, uh, we're taking a look at, at other stressors. Um, in the client's life. And, you know, once um, we have our, you know, initial interview session, our initial evaluation, um, and I get a chance to hear the client's story, there's so much um, value into listening to what our clients have to say. Because most of the times, if we're listening carefully um, in the functional world, the client is telling us exactly what we need to know to help them um, to become empowered for their body to heal itself. So um, I just wanted to make sure I included that piece there. But so utilizing that interview along with working with the foundations, looking at their food sensitivities, um, their stool microbiome, removing other stressors um, from the body, and then figuring out what supplementation. Um, supplementation oftentimes is necessary um, just to kind of boost the body in the sense that it, it might need just help um, in some sense to increase um, you know, more, more nutrients into the body. So it, it really, again, that's a very bio-individual process um, in determining what supplements um, may or may not be necessary. Um, and then, you know, formulating um, a protocol based on all of this together. Um, usually uh, it's a three-month protocol to help them heal the gut remove those stressors and they start to see just amazing changes um, in their health. They see symptoms start to go away. They're feeling better, more vibrant, um, you know, and by doing this, um, it, you know, it really, I think, speaks to the fact that they are on the right track, right? They, they are starting to figure it out. Um, and it may also just open up different pathways, um, too, that, that, uh, in their own mind that they might need to take a look at, like it's just other areas of their lives, um, which you know we might then at that point refer out to for them to see a different practitioner if that's the case. Um, but then for clients who want to do deeper work with me after they've gone through that initial you know three month, three to six month journey of healing. Um, healing their gut and just really um, focusing on, on nutrition, healthy nutrition and um, supplementation, then we can go ahead and retest, 
right? And then we can see exactly how um, did their body respond, right? And so it's it's great to get a sense to see that. And those, you know, when we retest, we see that as, you know, another form of feedback as to how we're doing. And is there potentially other things that need to be addressed? And if so, then we might take a look at blood chemistry, functional blood chemistry, um, you know, from a functional nutritional standpoint. Um, and, uh, you know, next down the list, we would take a look at, at hormones and see how the hormones are doing. But that is, that's pretty much the path to wellness um, that I utilize. And again, you know, depending on um, how much of that path they need to utilize really depends on the client and, um, you know, just depending on how much work that their body needs and how much assistance their body needs to, to kind of get going back in that, that healing direction. Yeah, I found, um, thanks for that explanation, that, that I think that gives people a pretty good idea of what to expect when you're working with a nutritional therapy practitioner. And you know, I want to just underscore, it does take some time, right? It, um, it's not a two-week process. It's, it's more measured in months, although I do sometimes have clients that come in, I give them one set of recommendations, they come back in two weeks and they're like, I feel so much better, mm-hmm. but that's yes. not everybody, right? Um, right, but yeah. I love when that happens because then they feel empowered and you know they uh, they they feel better, which is that's our goal, right? To help people feel better. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, although it usually takes, uh, you know, it, it just people respond in a different at a different pace, and uh, absolutely. it can take you know, like you said, three to six months to really see the results. Um, so. Just um, remind us again, now, Neil, you practice in Denver. Um, do you see distance clients as well? I do see distance clients. So, um, you know, if clients are looking to schedule with me, um, you know, we can do a either a Zoom call if they want to do a face-to-face meeting or, you know, just over the phone is fine. Um, yes, so I, I do see local and I do see distance clients. Um, and, you know, clients can... Uh, access my scheduling via my website, which is www.yourepicgenetics.com, spelled just as it sounds, www.yourepicgenetics.com. Great. Uh, Do you have a quick tip for our listeners? I know we talked about a lot of things today, but just to kind of recap, um, you know, what are some, a couple things that um, people should think about, you know, if they find themselves um, in a situation where they have a predisposition, gee, what should I do, or I'm in treatment for something, what else can I do nutritionally that would be good for me? Right. Um, so uh, this actually is something, it's it's not going to sound like it's um, nutritional, but it actually, it actually uh, is. And I'm going to lead off with... Um, practicing gratitude. Um, and like, that might not sound, like I said, like a nutritional piece of advice, but by practicing gratitude, we can shift our body, um, into a parasympathetic state just by thinking about things in our life that we're grateful for and, um, the loves of our life. Um, what do we enjoy doing? Um, just by thinking about these things, we can shift our body into a parasympathetic state, which is a calming state in the body. And that's the state that our body needs to be in when we are digesting our foods. So when we do that, we're actually helping our digestion. We're helping our body 
be able to digest. So before we eat our meals, we can practice gratitude. Um, you know, we can, you know, hug a loved one, hug a friend. That also um, is great in um, shifting the body over to a parasympathetic state. Um, it can, you know, by doing that, it just helps to take us out of a stressful place. And I think that we need to find just those little things in life that can shift us away from stress and into a more calm and relaxed um, state of mind. And that will help to optimize the way that we digest food and in turn how we absorb food and in turn how our body utilizes those nutrients to create new cells um, and create our bodies then to become a better version of itself. Sounds great. Thanks so much for that tip. Neely, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks for joining us again. And I hope to talk to you um, on another episode soon. Oh, Madeline, thank you so much. It's it's just been a pleasure to be here. And I really appreciate you inviting me um, to be on your podcast. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. To learn more about Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy or check out our podcast page, visit tcnutritionaltherapy.com. To find a nutritional therapy practitioner in your area, use the provider search at nutritionaltherapy.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast copyright 2019 by Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy. Music by Barbara Benz.